Warning, this episode contains foul language, as well as mentions of suicide, murder, and pedophilia. And just when you think the story's over, it gets worse. are listening to Keep It Weird, the podcast for all things strange, unusual, paranormal, supernatural, shady, icky, cringy, spooky, and everything in between. Each week we sit down together and we talk about something weird. Weird. And this week we are doing a little (laughs) twist on one of our favorite topics of unsolved mysteries. We will discuss some crazy stories and cold cases that actually were finally solved after years and years of investigating. Why are these cases cold for so long? What changed in the situation to allow more evidence to surface? Was anyone ever brought to justice? Well, let's take a closer look together at some of the most bizarre and mysterious cases to finally come to a close. My name is Lauren, and this is my co-host, Ashley. Hi, weirdos. Newly published author, Ashley, I should (gasps) say. As of today, or yesterday. As of yesterday. And... Weirdos, we have a very special guest joining us today. You know her most from our fabulous bonus episodes titled Keep It Beard. She makes you <laughs> laugh until you pee your pants and gives you a healthy skepticism of the straight man. It's Amy <laughs> Hinselman. <laughs> hey, weirdos. <laughs> well, if that wasn't the most spot on oh, I really was proud of it I can't <laughs> okay, lie handsome I, I've never laughed at one of my own jokes while typing it but I enjoyed it <laughs> if you're not a patron you remember Amy from our first Unsolved Mysteries episode which I oh, think yes. was in season two yeah. and then last season for our ladies yes whoop, whoop. If which was amazing, and I loved it. the ladies episode, you know how I feel about men. Yeah. <laughs> which is I don't like them. Although, um, <laughs> you guys, I have to tell you, Lauren, you don't know this. Ashley, you already do. Um, I'm so sorry to all you guys who are fans of Daddy Joe, because I met the love of Ashley's life. Yeah. What? So, yeah, she did. Yeah, Wait, text- who is it? So he, uh, we were texting each other, and he was like, yeah, we should go on a date. He was like me and my friends were going to the stanley hotel and we always dress up like the last scene in the shining for this concert every year and i i like texted ashley before i responded to him and i was like ashley come get your man and then (laughs) i your soulmate is here yeah and then i i sent him a, a patreon episode that we did where ashley talked about the writer of the scum manifesto and then he texted me and he was like uh you're talking to the proud owner of the scum manifesto and i was like ashley Come and get your man. Dude, Joe, I am so, so sorry, sorry, but Joe, Ashley has somebody else. Pack your bags. It's oh, pack man. bummer for me and Joe, but you know what? You can't stand in the way of true love. You can't. Nothing <laughs> it seems can. really meant to be. I, yeah. I don't know, Ashley. You have to rethink some things. Yeah. 
Sorry, I've already guys. been rethinking. Um, <laughs> Your podcast with Joe is going to feel really awkward now. <laughs> Real weird. Real weird. Real weird. Um, but yeah, we've we've covered Unsolved Mysteries every single season on this show, and we thought it was high time to cover some solved mysteries. Okay. Which is my favorite. Yeah. I do love to see an ending. I like yeah. some closure, mm-hmm. so I'm pretty stoked. I know. A lot of people are, are, are the same way, like can't really get into the show Unsolved Mysteries because it ends and they're just like, and? And? But and? who did it? And then what? Yeah. Which I get. Before we get started, I do have a list of patrons I'd love to say hello to if you'll both join me. Of course. Um, yeah, I'm not busy. (laughs) Hello and welcome to the first name only crew, Christina, Emily, and Francesca. Hi, mystery women. Hi, ladies. Thanks, mystery ladies. We like it. Hello and thank you to the Nefarious Nightmare podcast. These guys are great. We've played their promo before. Thank you guys for donating to our show. You're amazing. We're obsessed with you. Thanks. Thank you. (laughs) Shout out to my girl, Addie Reif. She's been a weirdo for years. She even called into the Ask Me Everything hotline, which we can't tell you how much we love and appreciate. That was so awesome. We love you, Addie. Addie. Addie from Ohio. Hello and welcome to some amazing names here. Abrae Stilson, Madeline Diamond, Josette Sanchez, Andrea Gakel, Stephanie Poplars, Jean Gabriel, and last but certainly not least, Dave Tyler. Hello, all Hello. you wonderful Hello. people. <laughs> Goodness gracious, thank you, thank we don't you. deserve well, you. Yes, and, and I'm sorry if there were a lot of people. Um, We just kept having guests on the show which has been so wonderful i love having guests but usually we save patreon shout outs for when it's just me and you and we haven't been alone in a while lauren we haven't there has been a lot of people nearby (laughs) but i figured this was a good call to do it on call good episode to do it on we're also on a call a good episode to do it on because amy's part of the patreon so y'all are paying to hear her that's right and i'm forever grateful Hello, all you new wonderful people. Thank you so much for donating to our show and making sure that the lights stay on over here at Keep It Weird. Um, I know I say it all the time, but our patrons are the reason we have a show. So thank you. And everyone listening, if you aren't a patron, you should thank the patrons because they are the blood that runs through our podcast veins. <laughs> We're nothing without you. Thank you. Nothing without you. Um, Today, Amy is going to start us off. Amy, I'm so excited to hear what you brought for us today oh, my because gosh, I got like update text of like, "Oh my god, you won't believe it." Oh my god. <laughs> I yeah, I know that Lauren, you said you were a little familiar, so maybe you don't you won't be so surprised, but oh god, buckle your butts everybody. I'm <laughs> sure you're your going to tell me new information and even this story I think is shocking no matter how many times you hear it. So let's go. Yes, I would agree. I'm so okay, excited. so I am doing the story of Stephen Stainer. So, Stephen was born on April 18th in 1965 in Merced, California to Kay and Delbert Stainer. Delbert, who has a dumb name, was a mechanic at a peach can factory. Shout out to the presidents of the United States of America and <laughs> millions of peaches. I'm so peaches sorry to all free. you Gen Z kids who are listening. You have no idea what I'm talking about. Look it up. It's a good you song. You don't know that beautiful song. <laughs> and uh, Kay was a stay at home mom. So he, um, Stephen had three sisters and he had an older brother, Carrie. So Carrie and Stephen were really close, even though Carrie was the eldest and he was uh, four years older than Stephen. 
On December 4th in 1982, Stephen's parents alerted the police that their seven-year-old hadn't come home from school. The police investigated, but they didn't turn up any leads. So Delbert and Kay became uh, understandably obsessed with finding their missing son. They would... yeah load uh, yeah like same i get it yeah uh they would load all of their other children into the family car and they would drive around on road trips all over california like chasing any lead that they found um and unfortunately they never found anything that led to steven's discovery real quick i'm so sorry what year mm-hmm. is this again this was in 1982 that he went missing 82 thank you I'm trying mm-hmm. to get a visual yeah my yep, brain yep. yeah yeah, definitely. Like, think of the haircuts. Uh, <laughs> think maybe of the bell fashion. Bottoms think of the style. We're kind of. <laughs> some people maybe were still wearing them, but yeah, you know, right, right. right. I feel like there were a lot of striped shirts. A lot of striped shirts. Lots of dudes who have bangs. Yes. 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 Okay. Some That's good mustaches. I hope. <laughs> and mustaches. Yeah. And um, creepy glasses. Yeah. Great. Classic. Great. Okay. So Kay and Delbert have both said that even before their son was kidnapped, like they weren't amazing parents. Uh, Kay was really distant and unemotional Mm -hmm. because she had been taught by her father that her mother was crazy. He taught her to keep her emotions to herself. Uh, One of those. Did her mother have mental health issues or was it one of those like women are always on periods and crying? Was it one of those things? You know what? I actually never looked into that. Oh, okay. I mean, you it so, might not be information that's out there. Right. So Either way, it's trash. I, yeah. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that um, I fucking hate her dad. So <laughs> I think that her mom was probably a normal person who had feelings, and he was a shitty piece of shit. All right. Yeah. Her dad made sure to remind her that she should actually be glad that Stephen went missing because it was one less child to clothe. Oh my god. The world that just made my stomach turn. That's the most horrible thing I've ever heard. Well, you don't understand because you only have one kid. (laughs) Yeah, maybe if you had several you would maybe if I had a bunch I could have an emotion towards this. (laughs) If you have five kids, you have a fifth most loved child you're right you're right <laughs> just yeah. i would definitely be okay if one of them went missing you know i'd probably be exhausted yeah 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 you're right thanks for giving me perspective yeah you're welcome <laughs> so so steve steven's disappearance took a toll on their already very distant relationships with their children they admitted that they neglected their other kids because of their grief over steven which is pretty impressive because they straight up said they were already neglecting their kids when he was still around wow so on march 1st 1980 Okay, I said 82 before. I meant 72. Oh, okay. okay. See, that's so a there different were picture. That's a different picture. I'm so sorry. Okay, so I'm now so we're sorry. looking at bell bottoms and really poofy, sure. long, crazy hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but still mm-hmm. mustaches, still creepy mm-hmm. glasses, still striped shirts. Yes. So we're good. Yeah. We're good. It Just fits. different pants. Yes. Okay, we're yeah. fine. So on March 1st in 1980, when Stephen was 14 years old, he came home. So on the day that Stephen had been abducted, he was walking home from school and was approached by Irvin Edward Murphy. Murphy worked at the Yosemite Lodge and was described by people who knew him as a trusting, naive, and simple-minded man. His coworker Kenneth Parnell, had convinced Murphy that Parnell was an aspiring minister. 
And he asked him to pass out gospel tracts to boys walking home from school that day. Do you guys know what gospel tracts are? No. I just assume they're little like flyers with different 100. Bible verses okay. and shit in there. So just yes. little gospel sheets. Okay. Yeah. 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 I had to look it up. It's like, or like the $500 bill or whatever. And then it's like, uh, this dollar bill is actually oh, Jesus yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. So any of that <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I don't know. I'm obviously not religious. Obviously, Amy has never picked up one of the fake $100 oh bills because it does not, in fact, say I'm Jesus on it. I'm actually Jesus. <laughs> oh, that got me good. Uh, you know me. Anytime I walk into a church, I'm like, you motherfuckers got any of them like real flat ass cracks? You <laughs> <laughs> mean the wafers? here for that body yeah. of Christ You mean wafer. Christ's body? Yep. Yeah, oh body God. of Jesus. Oh. So anyway, <laughs> after talking to Stephen, he asked him if his mother would be willing to donate anything to the church. And Stephen was like, yeah. So that's when Kenneth Parnell pulled up his car. Stephen willingly got into his car so that he could show them where he lived. But Kenneth instead drove to a cabin that he owned, stopping at one point to get out and use a payphone. So when he came back, he told Stephen that he was now his legal guardian because his parents couldn't afford him and they didn't want him anymore. Mm. Did he believe it? He did. Wow. Okay. Well, that's... he was seven. Yeah. And also his you're grandpa right, you're right. He agreed was with him. He yeah. Was, I mean, yeah. he was seven, but also Something's like, going yeah, on there. He, he clearly wasn't feeling the love. So Parnell changed Stephen's name to Gregory and moved him all around California over the next seven years. And he was enrolled in multiple schools and he called Parnell dad. Eventually, Parnell um, did end up giving him a lot of freedom. He let him drink and smoke and pretty much come and go as he pleased. Hmm. And S Stephen said that he had had multiple opportunities to escape, but he didn't like really know what to do. Like, well, he didn't know who was going to help him. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. if he didn't quite understand the situation, didn't know that he was right. technically kidnapped, right. like, escaping wasn't really something yeah. he had to do. He, and, you know, obviously, looking back as an adult, he was like, I probably should have left earlier. Right. Yeah, that was real fucked up. But <laughs> Sure. So a woman named Barbara Mathias moved in with them for about a year and a half, and she was also terrible. She and Parnell would sexually assault Stephen, and they attempted to kidnap even more boys. Ugh. That was my next question, because at first I was like, oh, he just like adopted this kid. And I was like, it no. can't be that simple. He's got to be. Yeah. Ugh, that's awful. And I did read an article that even stated like, you know, uh, Stephen was unwilling to disclose the nature of his sexual relationship with uh, Parnell. And it's like, yeah, he didn't want to rehash his trauma. Right. Yeah. Of course he doesn't want to talk about it. For a bunch of fucking strangers. He doesn't need to. Yeah, he he was he was honest about it. He was like, yeah, that dude's a fucking rapist. But he was like, I don't need to tell you everything. No, why do I need to go over the details? Just know that this guy is garbage. Yeah, sorry, I don't have trauma porn in my pocket for you right now, asshole. <laughs> so once Stephen started to hit puberty, Parnell was very motivated to find a new boy. And Parnell kept trying to get Stephen to help him abduct someone else. And Stephen was very compliant in that he would purposefully fuck it up every time. We love Stephen. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, it's Steven. not like you came we into stand this. Stephen. Yeah. We're here it's for Stephen. It's not Steven. like you guys were like, I don't know about Stephen. No, Stephen's 100. We love him. Stephen's okay. the best. 
Finally, Parnell thought that Stephen was bad at abducting children because he was. So Parnell got one of Stephen's teenage friends to help him abduct five-year-old Timothy White on February 14th in 1980. So because Stephen could tell how distressed this five-year-old kid was on account of being kidnapped and sexually abused sucks, he decided to escape with the boy. Parnell worked in overnight security job oh classic so it wasn't super difficult for him to escape so Stephen and timothy hitchhiked to timmy he was called timmy's hometown but Stephen didn't know where timmy lived so he went to the local police station and he kind of just stood outside he sent timmy in by himself but timmy like got scared and didn't want to go in and then he ran back over to Stephen, and the cops came out and found them both and then he was like you know, come on, you guys, let's chat with you. And so Stephen was like, hey, this is Timmy- Timothy White. And I'm, uh, oh, my God, I forgot his last name. Stephen Stainer. Yeah. And then hilarity ensued. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so he remembered his name? He did. Okay. Well, actually, I didn't read that he specifically said, I think, actually, you know what? There is a book based on his kidnapping that is called I Know My First Name is Stephen. So it's possible that he actually had forgotten his last name. It's possible that he could say, my name is Stephen, but I also am kidnapped. Basically, he let it be known. (laughs) They were both (laughs) in danger. Yes. He was like, guess guess what? Guess what? Lots of people have been kidnapped. So Parnell was arrested and held on a $7,000 bail because what the fuck even is America? Seven grand. Come on. I know. And in 1981, he was convicted of kidnapping, but not of sexual assault of any boys, even though he was a serial child rapist. In 1951, he had been convicted. Oh my, oh my God. God. Was it because Stephen wouldn't testify, wouldn't talk about it? It kind of seems like most. Okay. So here's what the article said Most okay. of the crimes were committed outside of Merced jurisdiction. Hmm. And Mendocino ah. didn't charge, charge him with those crimes because they decided not to. Like, that's what I found out. Oh, my God. So they just sort of were like, Guess- no, we don't have enough. Basically, I mean, honestly, it kind of seems like because this was in the 1980s, like people just felt icky about it. Yeah. Didn't and it really was just know a weird situation. Do about it. Yeah. That's true. It, it wasn't as talked about back then. It was it was very yeah. hush-hush. Right. That is yeah. true. So he was... Do you guys want to guess how long he was sentenced? Uh, Ugh, like three eight years. Months. You know what? I'm glad to say that you're both under low but oh not, good five. but not by but not by enough he was sentenced to seven years and he served seven. five Blech. okay so murphy the guy who um helped parnell kidnap Stephen, he was convicted of lesser charges but Stephen straight up said that he was a sweet man like uh murphy had hung out with them when he would first been kidnapped hmm. and he said that murphy was just as much a victim of parnell as he and timmy had been but he served two years of a five-year sentence. Was he the one that was simple, or how how did they describe him? Yes, I do believe that that is the 1981 version of okay. um, That's the way to say saying it. that. That's yeah. the way okay. that they said it. And and like Parnell had told him, he was like, "I have to take a boy because I need to raise him in Christ's love." Of course, that's oh, what he said. It's one of those things. Yeah. So like Murphy knew that they were kidnapping somebody, but he was like, "Oh, this kid's—he's into you know the yeah. drugs and the and the the we're helping the him. We're saving yeah, him. Yeah, exactly. He oh, really sold so him sad. a bill of goods." 
Barbara Mathias was never arrested and said that she had no idea that Stephen had been abducted, which wouldn't even fucking matter because you're still not supposed to rape children. Right. Yeah. Ugh. Monster. That's the most illegal part. Okay, whatever. <laughs> of the whole I thing. Mean, yeah, we could go on and on. <laughs> Barbara. So once Stephen got back to his life, he had a really difficult time readjusting. Sure. I mean, he had been allowed to drink and smoke and do whatever the fuck he wanted. So he like came back and he still wanted to drink and smoke. And he was like hooking up with lots of girls. And his parents were trying to, they kind of treated him like he was seven. Which, first of all, he wasn't seven anymore. And second, he really fucking wasn't seven anymore. I mean, he as a 14-year-old, he was a 25-year-old. Right. Um, His sister uh, said he got on with his life, but he was pretty messed up and he never got any counseling because my dad said he didn't need any. Dad, come on. The 80s, though. The 80s. Yeah, nobody was about therapy then. Listen, throw Delbert away, okay? Yeah, yeah. I mean, guy. Delbert's he—he's garbage. He, he needs, needs to go to in get the trash. The but <laughs> don't worry, Horrible. there's more. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> we hate Delbert. So Stephen had said, "I returned almost a grown man, and yet my parents saw me as uh at first as their seven-year-old. After they stopped trying to teach me the fundamentals all over again, it got better. But why doesn't my dad hug me anymore? I mm. guess seven years changed him too." Everything has changed. Sometimes I blame myself. I don't know sometimes if I should have come home. Would I have been better off if I didn't? That's so sad. That's really Uh, awful. Don't worry, it gets sadder. Kids at school bullied him for being molested and he dropped out. And I hope that each and every one of those children thinks every single day about what assholes they were and feels bad. I hope they feel bad for the rest of their lives. Yeah, they were old enough to know better. Yeah. absolutely they were in high school like high school kids are idiots and they're jerks but they you still they, know better you can't just say yeah. it's kids yeah. teasing each other it's like no you knew what you were doing and you were trying to hurt this person with something they couldn't help yeah so fucked up so when he was 20 he got married and he had two kids and he did a lot of work um, teaching kids about stranger danger. He never turned down interviews because he wanted to raise an awareness about stranger danger. Yeah. Right. And and he also, there was a book written about his life that I told you about. And then they made a movie based off that as well, which came out in 1989. Four months after that movie came out on September 16th in 1989, while he was riding his motorcycle home from work, he got into a a car crash and died no 500 people came to his funeral man which is very sweet wow it's so sad after all of that I know. to die in a car accident like i hate hearing stories like that where it's like you overcame everything and that's how it ended yeah, yeah and it seems like he was a really nice person yes. and he had a good heart you know he was dealing with some shit Mm-hmm. sucks but you know it happens yeah so 10 years later his hometown asked for suggestions on um like people that were from there who were heroes that should have a park named after them and his family had suggested that they name it stainer park after steven but the city refused is it because, because of- okay buckle your butts <laughs> my butts buckled 
<sighs> Your butt's buckled? Okay. So Carrie Stainer, the eldest, had a really rough go of it after his brother was abducted. I don't know if you heard, but his parents became even more neglectful of Carrie and his sisters. His mother, Kay, had been molested by her father. Remember, we don't like him. Yes. Right. Hated him. Yeah. But she did allow her father to move in with her family. She made sure that he never spent any time alone with her daughters. And it seems like he never molested them. However, she probably should have been more worried about her husband, who was sexually abusing all of their daughters. No. Oh, my God. The men in this story, besides Stephen, are all the worst. They're all trash. That's so uh, So, yeah. So, and we, there's even more. We don't like Delbert for so many reasons. And one of which is that he straight up would say, like, Stephen was his true son. Like, to Carrie, when Stephen was missing. Jeez. I mean, but like we said, like when you have five kids, it's very difficult to remember all of them. (laughs) Well, and that is a phenomenon that happens to parents who lose a child. They, Mm -hmm. even if it's not like lose, like they went missing, they sort of deify, deify? Is that a word? Like deity? I don't know, but I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, they (laughs) sort of like put put that child on a pedestal and they Mm -hmm. you know that child can do no wrong like you can still get in trouble and get grounded and misbehave but the missing child or the dead child yeah becomes like the angel the number one yeah and and that's a phenomenon that's happened uh, across the board that's why it's so important to get counseling if you lose a child to kidnapping if they go missing if they die because you need to learn to cope and deal with, you know, having your other kids and making sure that they're taken care of. Right. And like the fact that this, wait, is Delbert the father or the grandfather? The father. I forget father. the grandfather's name. Okay. The fact that Delbert could, I can't imagine what he imagined was happening to his son. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he could have to live with that thought and then sexually molest children on top of it yeah i don't know i there's just i I don't understand how both could exist like feeling bad for your son and imagining the horrors happening to him but then putting those horrors on his daughters like i don't i don't understand how he is a person it's it's a lot okay sorry amy go on you guys this we haven't we're not even there we're not even there (laughs) so carrie felt terrible about not having protected his brother you know, the whole entire time that Stephen was missing, Carrie blamed himself because it was his job as his brother. So it was it took a huge toll on him. Yeah. So he'd weirdly been living with his uncle Jesse. Oh no, that's not weird. He was living with his <laughs> uncle Jesse at the time that Stephen died, which that's not okay. crazy because right. he was like twenty eight living with his uncle. Yeah. Yeah. But his uncle Jesse was murdered, like right after Stephen died. This really? family. And then it turns out that Jesse had been molesting Carrie while Stephen had been kidnapped. How? Okay. I know. Welcome to the most fucked up family of all time. This, we don't like this family. No. I mean, we love Stephen. I only Stephen. I go only in like Stephen. Actually, I feel well, bad for the daughters. Sisters. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. all the girls. Was his uncle his mother's sister, do you know? Or his father's? I mean, his, his mother's oh, brother? Oh, because that's a good question. I mean, this, you know, sexually molesting children, being a pedophile is 
is something that is cyclical. So if it was the mother's brother, he was probably sexually molested by his father, as Mm -hmm. she was. They were probably both molested. And it's just, that's kind of how it happens. You either grow up to yourself be a pedophile, or you grow up being the last person in the fucking world who would touch a child. Like, it's like there's no in-between. Like, it fucks you up so royally. So I imagine it's just one of those situations where, like, Stephen getting kidnapped and all that shit, like, that's horrible, but that was, like, that that was the surprise. Yeah. All the other fucking child molesting that's going on is because of one man who molested his two kids. Yeah. Ashley, buckle your butt. Okay. I'm just, you know what? I'm done talking till this story's over because every time I say anything, it gets worse. So I'm done. Well, don't worry because it gets worse. I've packed my bags. In 1991, uh, Carrie attempted to die by suicide, and in 1997, he was arrested for possession of marijuana and meth, which, like, same. So, <laughs> in <laughs> we've all been there. We've all been there. Oh. In 1997, Carrie was hired at the Cedar Lodge Hotel, Motel, excuse me, in El Portal, California. In March of 1999, Carol Sund who was 42 and her daughter's friend and um, their uh, oh, every foreign exchange student who lived with them, who was 16 years old named Silviana Peloso were found in the trunk of the charred remains of Carol's son's rental car. The bodies were so badly burned. They had to be identified using dental records. Hmm. A note was sent to police with a hand-drawn map indicating the location of the third victim, son's 15-year-old daughter, Julie. The top of the note read, we had fun with this one. Investigators went out to the location, depicted on the map, and found the remains of Julie, whose throat had been cut. So after these murders, detectives interviewed everybody who worked at the lodge. The women had been staying there, and then they went to rent a movie went back to their room nobody saw them again they were all packed up they left their key on the table they kind of don't know what happened they interviewed carrie but they found that he like he didn't seem nervous at all during the interrogation they moved on pretty quickly to other people especially since um son's wallet was found in mendocino so they started looking at people who lived in Mendocino. I don't know how far away all these things are. You guys know California better than what I do. What was it? El Portal and Mendocino? Yes. Looks like it's a while. It's it's about six hours. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, right, okay. That's it's under, okay. That's pretty far. So it's understandable. Mm-hmm. So in July, on July 21st of 1999, Joy Armstrong was supposed to go visit a friend. Um, she was uh, taking a car trip. She worked near the motel and she never ended up showing up. So her friend called the police and he was like, hey, my friend was supposed to uh, come visit me. So on July 22nd, they found her decapitated body near a river in the park. Oh my God. Mm. So they questioned Carrie again, 
And they detained him for a while, and they told him not to go anywhere after they fucking released him. After we I guess they, let you yeah. out of this room, yeah. don't you, you don't, go anywhere. Don't, don't you, you move. Anywhere. You sit there. But it, they, they were definitely more like, all right. Mm, we got to figure out what's going maybe. on with this yeah. fucking guy. Yeah. He got super pissed because they kept his backpack and they searched his truck. So then the next day they searched his apartment and they found evidence that they didn't say what it was, which is very infuriating. But he was gone because, of course, because he fucking left. Yeah, he fled. He's a fucking serial killer. Yeah. And they don't listen when you're like, don't move. Yeah. He had gone to a nearby uh, nudist resort that he went to kind of often. And luckily a manager there had seen his picture on the news and then called the police. Stainer confessed to killing Armstrong in the car ride to the police department and mm. then confessed to the murders of the first three women that he'd murdered. And basically the cops are like, whoa, <laughs> didn't think that was going to happen. But dope. Not yeah. dope. But Not like, dope. But yeah. But like dope. Yeah. <laughs> but thank you for confessing. So, uh, Ashley, we're going to sum up some feelings that you have. I took a quick poll from Agent Jeffrey Rennick wrote... In his book, which is called In the Name of Children, semicolon, an FBI agent's relentless pursuit of the nation's worst predators, backslash, backslash, what if book titles were shorter? (laughs) (laughs) So from his book, it said, according to a psychiatrist who would later evaluate Stainer for his defense team, the Stainer family tree was ridden with mental illness and sexual abuse going back five generations. Mm-mm-mm. According to the psychiatrist's report, Stainer's father, Delbert Stainer, was ordered into therapy for molesting his own daughters. In addition to her father's unwanted advances, one of Stainer's sisters said that Carrie started peeping on her and inappropriately touching her when she was 10. Because these girls cannot catch a goddamn motherfucker. Seriously. My God. A cousin said that Stainer spied on her and his sisters and a neighbor girl. He would hide under their beds and secretly videotape them in the bathroom in the bedroom. One relative described child sexual abuse as like a family sickness because it had been going on for so many generations. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that Stainer's brother was kidnapped by a pedophile and abused for seven years adds an almost unfathomable dimension to the tragedy that enveloped this family. As the older brother, Stainer felt a natural, if undeserved, sense of responsibility for not protecting Stephen from harm. He also felt more directly responsible. Stainer told another psychiatrist who was hired by the prosecution to evaluate whether he was sane at the time that he committed the Yosemite murders that as a child, he worried that the obsessive thoughts he had about holding the neighbor girl against her will somehow caused Stephen to be kidnapped. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, like, Carrie's unwell. And he said that he had urges of kidnapping and killing women before Before. he had been abused and before his brother went missing okay so these were like dark thoughts his entire life oh yeah so so they you know they had him yeah and when he was tried for murder his his whole family his sisters and his mom were like you know you shouldn't you shouldn't put carry on death row like it's not his fault his sister said, this wasn't my brother who did this. She wasn't saying that he didn't do it. Right. But she was like, that's not the person that I know. That's not good. And, you know, yeah, exactly. Like, they were, you know, he he went for uh, innocent um, 
because of insanity. Right. Yeah. Right. By reason of insanity. Yeah. Thanks. I obviously did not write that down. <laughs> <laughs> My brain is made out of mush. Innocent because insane. Nitty. Innocent because... <laughs> Because he's because the bolts the bolts ain't turning bolts are loose nuts yes loose bolt boy that's what they (laughs) called him (laughs) that's a legal defense I think I think so so after he was detained he was like you need to call up some Hollywood producers I want a movie of the week oh Jesus Christ he apparently also like as he got older he once Stephen came back like Carrie was like cool but also he was jealous of the attention that he got and the mm-hmm. fact that he got a movie yeah he got a book and a movie so Carrie needed yeah. it yeah and like in the interview he was like huh I guess I'll never see the new Star Wars because it was 1999 when he got oh, um arrested boy. but I do have to I, do, I gotta say it like you weren't missing anything yeah, I was gonna I say know. you're fine you no know. not yeah. at all you're fine not knowing about Jar Jar Banks but yeah geez <laughs> Phantom Menace nobody needs that in their life but, like, one of the things that kind of drives me nuts is that Carrie, when he was being tried, he was like, oh, I don't want to die. Like, I do feel really bad about what I did. And he, like, seemed like he felt bad. But also, when the police were interviewing him because they wanted more information about the murders, he was like, um, I don't know, man. I think I would probably be a little bit more loose-lipped if maybe I got some stuff. And they were like, okay, well, like, what? And he was like, you know, like, pictures of uh, girls. And the detective was like, are you asking me to bring you child porn? And he was like, I'm just saying, picture of girls. Wow. You know what I mean? I'm disgusted. Yeah, he's not great. And also, the family of one of the women who had been murdered had put out a uh, $250,000, and then they upped it to $300,000 award because they were were missing for like a month. Yeah. So he ended up, technically, he should have gotten that reward money, and he wanted it to go to his parents or his mom because he felt bad for her. Okay, Which well, I do too. Yeah, yeah. we all do, but, sir. But at the same time, anyone with information regarding these missing people, I don't think that you get the reward money yeah. if they're missing because you murdered them. Right. Like, thanks and for the information. It's and but void it was at that you. point. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, I don't know whether or not he got the reward money. Hmm. I doubt I, mean, I couldn't, he I couldn't not. find it. I'm, I don't know. Maybe if I looked harder, I could have found out. But, like, I. I highly doubt it. I didn't want to hear that he did it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, I would be so (laughs) mad. Even if it went to his mother. Yeah. 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 Because you know what? I don't love his mom. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really really easy to immediately be like, why the fuck would this woman put all of her children in such danger? Mm -hmm. Because that's what she was doing with all of them. But at the same time, like, we all know what abuse does to people. It's really, really hard to. I mean, this family just it's didn't tough. have a chance. It's they like, really no, didn't. I'm not I'm not apologizing for any of them. But it just sounds like they're it's just it's generations of abuse. Like you said, generations of trauma. And I feel like mm-hmm. these people never had a chance to have a normal life, a normal loving relationship with anyone. It just. Yeah. It and feels like it was just over from learning- the start. More and more and more about generational, generational trauma. trauma and DNA, yeah. and how like 
you can have the trauma of your in your DNA of abuse without ever actually being abused yourself. Right. And we're learning more and more about that. So even with Carrie having these dark and twisted thoughts before he was ever even abused, which it might have been before he was abused. He could have been abused when he was a child and not remember it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it it just seems like I guarantee, you know, their mother was abused. It seems like their father was probably abused and their parents might have been abused too. Who knows where this started, but it obviously didn't end. Jesus. And the story isn't, hasn't ended yet either. So the state of California actually disagreed with his family. And in 2002, he was sentenced to death, and he's still on death row because California hasn't executed anyone since 2006. Not really sure when California even still has the death penalty. Do we? Technically, you do. But in 2006, I guess so many problems had occurred where, you know, evidence was bad. And so it's illegal to put someone to death now in California, but you still technically have the death penalty. I see. And everyone's just sitting on like... They're sitting on death row, as they call it, but like nothing is going to happen. Right. Okay. Yeah. It gets worse. So uh, do you guys remember Timmy? Timmy was the other. Timmy White was the five-year-old. Oh, the boy. Yeah. Okay. So he became a Los Angeles County Sheriff Mm -hmm. deputy in 2005. And on April 1st in 2010, he died of a pulmonary embolism at the age of 35. Mm tragic ends for steven and timmy it's so unfair so ashley that's why they wouldn't name the park stainer park well that makes sense (laughs) but a few months after timothy died uh in 2010 a statue of steven and timothy was dedicated in applegate park in merced well so there's something good and Timothy was from Ukiah, and they also erected a statue of Stainer and White, uh, escaping hand in hand. Hmm. Oh, that's nice. And then is actually not even the whole story because there's more. But I I had to finally go. That's enough. That's enough. I can't <laughs> research. Cut it down there. Researching this story was not good for my mental health. You guys. No. no. It no, goes on and on and on, and there's so many monsters. I didn't know anything about it. So like, at least like, you know, because Lauren, you said, I've already heard this story. So I didn't know. So I was like, oh my God, wait, what? Wait, what? Wait, what? (laughs) Yeah. I, well, and to be honest, I knew you would educate me on more because it's not like I knew every single detail. I, I knew mostly about the aftermath. Like my knowledge was like, hey, Stephen was abducted for these many years. And then afterwards, I knew all the stuff that happened with Carrie. So once you got to the Carrie part of the story, that's when I was already (laughs) cringing, knowing everything that went down with him. But I had no idea exactly what Stephen went through with Kenneth and this Barbara lady and that he like also helped timmy get out of captivity like that was all new and that was all bonkers well you know what's funny is nuts once you start talking well none of this and not (laughs) even what i'm about to say no um when you started talking about carrie stainer that's when i realized i talked about carrie stainer on an episode of this show very Mm -hmm. briefly and i don't even remember which episode and i know i briefly said something about how oh you know uh, also his brother happened to be um uh, abducted when he was a kid that's as right. part of like his trauma but 
I didn't go further than that. So like it wasn't until you started talking about Carrie Stainer and the shit that he was doing that I was like, why does this sound familiar? And I was like, oh my God, I have talked about Carrie Stainer before on this show. I don't even remember why. I don't even remember what episode. I don't even technically remember going into detail about his murders. Yeah. And now I'm kind of like my mind's blown (laughs) now knowing the whole story. It's horrible. The name Carrie Stainer sounded familiar, but I don't remember you talking about it. Um, which honestly, with us, that could be like, oh, I talked about it three weeks ago. I know. <laughs> I know. With you, we do we do that so <laughs> yeah. much on the show, where it's like, hey, did we talk about that guy in an episode? It's like, no, that was just a Thursday night. We were discussing the murder. So <laughs> that, that was that was an episode of my favorite murder. <laughs> exactly. No, Carrie, I feel like has been mentioned before because people are just like, oh, he was a serial killer. But little do they know he's part of this like dark, twisted family with all of this crazy trauma. Like yeah. it's it's insane. The things that happened to this family. Yep. <sighs> well, all thanks, right. Amy. Well, thank you for depressed that. forever. You're welcome. Man, it seemed like it was going to be uplifting. Like, I know that it was like, well, no, Uh, I just mean like, I know that very, very early on in the, uh, it was so early on, but I was like, oh, maybe this is shorter than Amy said it was. Cause he was like, when he was 14 in 1980, whatever, he came home and I was like, oh, (laughs) why did she say this was six pages? (laughs) I don't mean to cackle like Ursula. I really didn't do that on purpose, but it happened. Because you were so wrong. So I get wrong. it. That's yeah. there's that's that how you were reading it. My... Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like technically when we're doing an episode on like cases solved, that's the end. <laughs> but yeah. Lord, he came it's home. not the yeah, end. Yeah, I was like, nope. how yeah. could this be a long story? He's home. Oh. Yeah. All right. No, well. you guys, I did a little trick. I did one of my tricky tricks. You did the trickaroo. <laughs> one of my famous turns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you right. know I'm famous for my twists. <laughs> Mental health check. (laughs) Hey, uh, Ashley here. That story was dark as hell. And sometimes after I hear or read or watch a story like that, I get this feeling like there are too many monsters. God can't exist. This world's too cruel. Everything's hopeless. Nothing's fair. Nothing happens for a reason, etc. So just in case you were feeling like that too, I thought it was a good idea to come in and chat. Uh, first of all, you'll be happy to know that Kenneth Parnell is dead. <laughs> Amy was right. The story was not over. He was arrested again in 2003 after trying to talk his caregiver into buying him a four-year-old boy. He was 71 at the time, and he was suffering from diabetes, emphysema, a couple other terrible ailments due to a stroke that he had had. He basically needed 24-hour care. And his caregiver, Diane... Way to go, Diane, helped police with a sting operation to get him arrested, and they did not hold back on this man. He ended up being charged with 25 to life, and he spent the next five years in prison until he died of natural causes. It was basically a third strike. So, like, first strike was what he did to Stephen. Second strike was Timothy, and then this was his third strike. I do not know why we have to have three strikes against pedophiles to me that's a one strike offense like you touch a kid you're done uh but i don't make the rules so um he's fucking dead (laughs) and that's fine with me but it doesn't change the fact that at least two children suffered on behalf of this man being allowed to exist 
I'm not a fan of true crime. I'm a huge fan of psychology and understanding the behaviors of people. And I don't know if that's a fascination grown out of having my own mental disorders that I've spent years trying to understand or if it's completely unrelated. But I hate hearing about murder, rape, torture. And I find that after I do research um, on true crime or watch whatever new Netflix doc that comes out, it's followed by days of what is it even all for? Uh, Why are we doing this? The world is an evil, unfair place. A real Debbie Downer, if you know what I'm saying. So, without further ado, this is for me and you. Here are a couple really cool and wonderful things (laughs) happening in the world right now. So, in 2010, Russian scientists were awarded the Nobel Prize for the discovery of graphene. It's essentially a modification of carbon in which each atom is surrounded by three others at an angle of 120 degrees, making a kind of honeycomb shape. In theory, this structure is a perfect filter. Water penetrates the membrane created by this filter. Salt does not. So in their lab, they're able to use graphene to make a sieve that filters seawater into drinkable, clean water. Now, it's not on the market yet. There's a ton of things that have to be worked out. For example, how long will this thing last before deteriorating and becoming unusable? Um, How can we make it affordable, et cetera, like to put into production? But in theory, we could one day, possibly one day soon, be able to use our biggest source of water as a freshwater source. And as a lubricant, this material can be used in the production of cars and machines, too, which will allow them to run almost without friction and basically last forever. It's also like the ultimate flame retardant that has a positive environmental impact. This is huge. Um, if we can get this to work and get it to be something that's affordable, I mean, this is a big deal. The next thing happened in 2017, but I didn't hear about it. Did you? Doctors and researchers were able to, for the first time ever, reverse brain damage. A two-year-old girl named Eden Carlson slipped through her baby gate while her mom was in the bathroom, somehow made it past a pretty heavy door because toddlers are superhuman, and ended up drowning in the swimming pool. I know that's dark, but don't worry. Her heart didn't beat on her own for over two hours. Her brain showed deep gray matter injury and cerebral atrophy. I'll try that again. Her brain showed deep gray matter injury and cerebral atrophy with gray and white matter loss after the incident. She could no longer speak, walk. She didn't respond to any voices or other stimuli. She was in critical care for 48 days before she was discharged, but when she was discharged, she was brain dead. But then... A team from LSU Health uh, in New Orleans, along with doctors from the University of North Dakota, what a team, they administered oxygen treatments in an attempt to wake up her brain. And essentially, they administered oxygen to her at a pressure higher than atmospheric pressure through the use of a sealed pressurized chamber. And by doing that, the amount of oxygen in her body supply was increased, which can restore normal levels of blood gases and even repair damaged tissue. After only 10 sessions, Eden was back to near normal, except for some motor functions, which she then went to physical therapy for. And after 162 days after she drowned, she drowned and died, 
MRI scans revealed that Eden still had a little bit of residual injury to her brain, but had experienced a near complete reversal of cortical and white matter atrophy. Now, this is very, very new science, even still in 2021. It's something we have to work on. I say we like I have anything to do it. Me and my team have to figure this out. No, it's something scientists have to work on, obviously, and they aren't sure if it'll work with someone with a fully formed brain or if it's just a method that would work on children because their brains are still growing and forming and therefore can repair itself with a little help. But it's a huge step in a positive direction. Yay. See, guys, we're doing it's okay. We're doing okay. This next story is, I don't know, maybe my favorite, even though it's something that can never benefit me directly. Am I a saint? Um, No. So days after a poacher's trap killed a young mountain gorilla in Rwanda's Volcanoes National Park in 2012, researchers spotted something amazing. Two four-year-old gorillas working together to dismantle similar traps in the area. And since then, the behavior has been observed in two different places, like unrelated to Rwanda's Volcano National Park. Young gorillas learning to dismantle poachers, traps. We love to see it. This last one is nice, too. I guess. I don't know. Like, every time I hear about nuclear energy or nuclear fusion, my whole body shakes because all I can think about is, like, Chernobyl and, like, nuclear war and, like, Terminator, Skynet, Cyberdyne systems. It's nothing. No good images happen when you say the word nuclear to me. But... We're getting very, very, very close to sustainable nuclear fusion. And nuclear fusion could be the key to producing unlimited energy. Unlimited. I have like a cold or something. God, that's a scary thing to say these days. I think it's just allergies. I don't feel sick, but I I definitely like I just said a word with an M and it it came out as a B. Okay, we'll try again. We're getting very, very, very close to sustainable nuclear fusion. And nuclear fusion could be the key to producing unlimited energy for everyone on Earth. But as we all know, researchers have been on Struggle Street trying to find a machine that could sustainably control such a powerful reaction. But that's all changing. At the end of 2015, Germany switched on a massive nuclear fusion reactor that's since successfully been able to contain a scorching hot blob of hydrogen plasma, which, like, I don't know what that means, but it seems pretty cool. South Korea and China have also been achieving record-breaking reactions with their machines. The UK has also switched on a reactor that's been majorly successful as well. MIT scientists predict that thanks to all of these advances taking place all over the world, we should be able to get fusion energy by 2030. So as long as a bunch of 75-year-old politicians who make money off of oil and gas and other natural resources fucking retire and let us live on our planet, we really might not be too late to save it. So there you go. A little bit of good news goes a long way, at least for me. So I hope it helped you as well. Next week, we have two more solved mysteries for you. Lauren is covering a case of parental kidnapping with a very strange twist. And I'm covering the story of a man who was murdered in Appalachia under very mysterious circumstances. 
Then the week after, we're going to do another Ask a Weirdo episode. We did one in like season one and never really did one again. So send us questions. You can ask anything. You can ask about topics we've talked about on the show, topics you wish we'd talk about on the show, personal questions. You can ask us silly questions, anything you want to know about us. I know we're pretty much an open book, so maybe you already... Maybe you already know everything you want to know, but send us questions anyway so the episode isn't four minutes long. You can send your questions in via DM on Instagram or Facebook or send them to keepitweirdpodcast at gmail.com. Also, as Lauren said at the beginning of this episode, I'm officially a published author and it feels awfully weird. Um, I wrote a piece that's featured in the second volume of The Feminine Macabre. It's a collection of all kinds of occult, paranormal, supernatural, spiritual articles written by women and non-binary individuals. And I'm sure it's great. I actually don't have my copy yet. I have the first volume and it was awesome and I really, really enjoyed it. So I can only assume volume two will be just as good. Plus, I'm in it. So like... Order yours today. You can buy it on Amazon. Just search The Feminine Macabre Volume 2. Or you can join our Patreon. I'm going to be mailing out three free copies to three lucky patrons. Uh, We've got three tiers, $1, $5, and $10 tiers. And I'm going to sign them and, and send them out. Uh, well, okay. I guess that's all for now. I hope you guys have a really, really wonderful week. You know the drill. Follow us on Instagram at Keep It Weirdcast. You can donate to our show at uh, patreon.com slash keepitweirdpodcast. You can buy merch from us at etsy.com slash shop slash keepitweirdpodcast. So why don't we continue on with these good ass vibes and let Amy sing us out with one of her original songs. <laughs> See you next week, guys. Puppies are good. Puppies are sweet. Puppies walk down the puppety street. Going This story was a little too sad, but I don't want people to feel really bad. Just find a dog or cat to pet, and that'll be great. And don't feel that sad yet. Maybe the ghost is speaking to you. Maybe. Maybe this is how we solve the murder, although the murder seems pretty (laughs) fucking solved solved. to me.